0: Hey everybody and welcome to the beauty biz show today I have a guest that was so much fun to interview her name is Jess Arnodin, and Jess is a licensed esthetician and she's recently written a book called plant-based beauty and I know so many of us are are creating this new movement or a shift to a more holistic type practice of skincare. So Jess's book is an awesome, awesome, awesome resource for you to have either in your practice, if this whole idea is a new concept to you of of plant-based or holistic beauty. And for those of you who really already practice this and own it, it's a great resource for your clients who you wish maybe a deeper understanding of what this all means and, and the shift that's taking place. So Jess and I talked about everything from actually her surprise home birth. She shares a little bit of that story to shifts we see taking in the industry. She talks a lot about how she's found the time to be a professional and a mom of little ones at home. And I think this episode is really going to help you on many different levels. If you want to tap more into the holistic realm of aesthetics, if you are a mom of a small child or multiple small children, and you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Jessica's just a beautiful soul and the, the things that she shared really touched me. So tune in to the very end of the show because she gives some incredible success tips for fellow practitioners. Thanks you guys for joining me. Enjoy the show today. Hello and welcome to the beauty biz show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I'm a licensed esthetician, spa owner, industry consultant, speaker, and journalist, and the founder of the Beauty Biz Club, which is the only professional, success based society designed to dramatically up your bookings, increase your profits, and provide you with industry specific resources that are needed to succeed. If you'd like to know more about how you can become a member of the Beauty Biz Club, please visit Beauty Biz Club com. Now I invite you to join me as I feature inspirational messages from industry gurus and practical tips to tap into your best success. Stay tuned for some serious beauty biz entertainment. Hi everybody. It's Lori here and welcome to the beauty biz show today. I have my guest Jess Arnodden. Did I correct, pronounce that correctly, Jess?
1: Yes, that was perfect. You said it better than I do, I think. Very
0: cool. You know, here's the problem. I have now Invisalign braces in, so I can't pronounce anything. So I want to just make sure I am respecting your last name.
1: Oh my goodness. I actually, I have a friend who just had those done. um, And she had a a golden milk turmeric latte and they stained her retainer. So she had to go get a new retainer. She had yellow teeth for a week. Speaking of
0: staining and, and we're here today to talk about beauty. I used a product that has copper in it and I had had it in my refrigerator for a long time. So even though it was a little bit older, I thought, well, this is probably still good. Put it on. And Saturday I could not get it off my face. I'm like, Oh my God, I stained my face with this copper product.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I was like,
0: scraping it off with my fingernails. I look like the cat got me,
1: you <laughs> so, know, a, a mega peel after that.
0: Yes. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so I'm excited to have you here today. You have a lot going on and, um, we're going to chat about your life since the last time we connected, it's changed a lot. Yes, it has. And then I know that you've recently written a book that I had the opportunity to read this weekend and I can't wait to chat about that. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm honored to be here. I really appreciate it. Now, are you in St. Pete Beach? So we are in downtown St. Pete, so close to St. Pete Beach, but um, more in
0: the city. So I have a friend from college that owns, he used to own, it was called the Cadillac Hotel, and now he owns a bar that I believe is called Tidal Waves. Do you know where that is?
1: Yes, I'm familiar with Tidal Waves. I've never been there, but we've passed by it before.
0: Yeah, so that's a friend of mine from college. He's super fun. I don't know what the bar is like, but I can't imagine if he has anything to do with it it's not a good place to go and be entertained. <laughs> People watching.
1: We love the Tampa Bay area. I kind of feel like it's the the best kept secret of Florida. Although I remember being in New York City and seeing ads on the subway everywhere for St. Pete Clearwater. So they're doing a big ad campaign especially like in the heart of February when New Yorkers are just like needing sunshine. Um, but it's really experiencing a renaissance. There's a lot of arts and culture and new restaurants opening. And the Don's
0: Azar is like a staple, beautiful hotel. Is it still as happening as it used to be?
1: Yes. And they, um, I think they had a new parent company take over and they've done like a new food and beverage concept And yeah, there's just a lot of history. Marilyn Monroe stayed there. They've got some archival pictures up. It's really cool.
0: The first time I was ever in St. Pete, I remember I was just at a hotel down the street a little bit. And I was from Vermont. I was there in the winter on spring break. And I remember Bon Jovi was staying there and playing volleyball outside. And I thought, this is the coolest thing ever. These people really do exist. How fun.
1: Oh my gosh. I've only been to Vermont once. And I thought it was like, the most dreamy, amazing, beautiful place. We went to Burlington um, for a weekend and it's so beautiful there.
0: That's where I went to college. I haven't been back there in a long time, actually. It is so pretty, especially this time of year when the leaves start to change.
1: Yeah, I miss the change of season a little bit, but I do love the sunshine. Well, let's start talking about... Well, first
0: of all, I noticed on Instagram, you just had something pretty crazy happen. Do you want to share with the listeners probably what was probably the most crazy experience in your whole life, right? Your home-based birth? Yes. (laughs) Okay, so this is a good story. Let's chat about it for a second, because I know the listeners are going to be quite in awe over what you went through.
1: Yes, I've been joking lately that I I birthed a baby and a book within the span of a couple of months. And um, yeah, we basically, all the rumors are true that your second baby comes faster. And I'd heard that before, but you know, my first daughter, we labored for maybe 24 hours. Second time around, it was six from start to finish, and we just didn't make it to the hospital. So she was born in the bathroom with me alone. My husband had actually run next door to take our toddler to go to the neighbor's house. And when he came back...
0: Now, I am not a mom, so I have a few questions that may seem a little bit naive, Was this excruciating pain or did it just happen so fast? You You didn't even realize what was going on.
1: So I, around the whole birth, I never even used the word pain because I call it sensation. There are, it is the most intense, like almost an out of body experience, but I had just like really done a deep dive with like reading. I read probably a hundred birth stories of other women. And what I found throughout the, like the span of everything that I read was that if you go into it with fear and you're expecting and anticipating pain, that's the experience you have. If you go in feeling expansion and just almost just like, I don't know, it's otherworldly, it's hard to even explain. Then that's kind of like the, the experience that you have. And so I think a lot of that sort of like internal mental landscape Help me progress faster and also help me, um, I don't know, just really enjoy the experience, even though there was a moment where I'm like, Oh shoot, we're, we're not going to make it to the hospital. What's going to happen. But
0: your, your mindset surrounding that is beautiful. And I think that's really how we do everything in life, right? It's how we perceive it and how we embrace it and step into it.
1: Yeah. You just meet it head on. You go in with confidence and I think definitely you can take that away and bring it into life and multiple applications. Um, but something that is really funny is actually because we called 911, um, that actually becomes public record. And so you can actually request a copy of it. So my husband actually surprised me with a CD of our 911 call and we listened to it together and you can hear me birthing her on this CD. And, um, we've joked that we're going to have her listen to that like every every year on her birthday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what her personality's like. <laughs> if she's a feisty little one, can you tell?
1: She's actually very mellow. She's the most like calm, cool, collected little baby that I've ever ever met.
0: Wow. So maybe this is your second book. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Could be. <laughs> Let, let's speak that into existence. All right. Perfect.
0: Well, so anyone can read more about this story? What is your Instagram handle so they can go and? Because I know you did a whole post on it and you have a lot of comments.
1: Yeah. So my Insta handle is my name, Jess, J-E-S-S, Arnaudin, A-R-N-A-U-D-I-N. And that's where you can find the birth story. (laughs) Wow. So, okay.
0: Moving on to the fact that you actually gave birth to a baby in a book in a very short span of time. Can you tell me before we start talking about your book? Because it's it's really good. And I think every single spa owner or holistic practitioner should be carrying this book in their practice and selling it to their clients so they have a deeper understanding of the message that you share. Because it's really how I see the beauty industry shifting, especially for estheticians. Mm. So how did you know, let's, let's go back to the beginning. How did you find your way into the beauty industry?
1: So I actually had, I didn't have a facial until college. I really had no concept that that was even something you could have done or something you could do as a profession. I lived in an apartment building when I was studying um, my undergrad program that just happened to be right next door to an Aveda school. So I would just walk there on my way to campus and, you know, stop by and sip a sample of their tea. And I'd put on some lip gloss from their testers before going to class. And that's where I got my hair cut and colored and that kind of thing. And then I realized that there was this, like, beautiful, um, amazing little enclave that they had that was a spa area. And um, I went for a facial They do the foot bath, you know, they do like the sensory aromatherapy journey. And I had just never really been exposed to that concept of a ritual and personal care in that way. Um, So there was just a part of me that wanted to drop all my classes and pursue that right then and there. Um, But I ended up finishing my bachelor's in creative writing and communications. I got married shortly after college um, and my husband and I moved to New York. And at the time, I thought I wanted to do publishing, and I was really interested in that, but the only jobs that I could find were unpaid internships, which was not something that we could pursue. We needed income. (laughs) Um, So I ended up taking a job at a pretty big, well-known salon. There were maybe 30 stylists. It was like creative, it was chaotic, it was fast-paced, and it really just reawakened and sort of reminded me of that spark that I had felt for the beauty world. And after having that facial, so I ended up doing a night program. I went to school for a year while working as front desk coordinator. And that was just, that was the start of it. Are you from New York? Is that, is no. that
0: you, you just went there because of the publishing world?
1: Yeah. And my husband had accepted a job that was, um, a little bit North of the city in Westchester. And we just knew that, you know, if you you want to do things, you either go to New York or LA. So we just like had envisioned ourselves being in one of those two places and we ended up in New York.
0: Awesome. And then what was your first job out of esthetician school?
1: So my first job was working at that salon. Actually, they had a treatment room and um, I had an agreement that I would rent it out and that kind of thing. But ultimately it was not, the best because you know when you're new you it's really important to have a culture to have continued education to be you know with a team so I did that um for probably close to a year and just kind of like doing facials for the salon clients who are getting their hair done but then we ended up moving um into Manhattan and then the rest is history I'm actually curious if you remember what your first facial was
0: I do remember my first facial. It was at a place called Ultimate Skin in Calabasas. And at the time, I was a a flight attendant. And um, so I didn't have a facial for, gosh, till I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s. And I remember the same thing. And I think this has happened to so many of us. It just smelled good. The people were so nice. It felt good to be pampered. And I thought, I looked at my esthetician. She was so pretty. She was like Swedish and she had the blonde hair and the blue eyes. And I thought, oh my God, she gets to do this every day. So it's almost like you get called into the practice, I think.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Everything about that place. I loved it. I used to go back once a month. I mean, I would give up other things so I could get my facial. (laughs) Don't we all want clients like that, right?
1: Absolutely. I remember, too, just like always loving makeup and and having my roommates always in in my bathroom when we were getting ready to go out. Like, Jess, can you do a cat eye? Can you put my lipstick on? So even before I had been um, professionally trained, I was still kind of dabbling. Oh, I used to
0: take babysitting jobs for this one woman only. I didn't love babysitting, but she had one daughter who was really well behaved, and she actually had she was very wealthy. And I remember just being enamored with her whole life. She had a, before it was a bad thing, a whole closet full of fur coats. But I remember I would sit in her bathroom and open her makeup drawers. I had never touched anything, but I could not believe how much makeup she had and how beautifully it was all (laughs) organized. And yeah, I loved it too. And I was the place that everyone came to get ready for the prom. Like I did your hair, I did your makeup. So same thing. It was in my parents' basement in Vermont. That's where we got prom ready. So glamorous. Yeah. Times have changed now. I see the kids at the dry bar and the lash bar and the makeup bar. I'm like, oh my God, movie star lifestyle for these teens.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, so what did you stayed in New York City for a long time? And I know you were working at a spa actually doing facials and then somehow you, and this is the thing that I think is so amazing right now happening in our industry for beauty entrepreneurs. You can wear so many different hats and do so many different things. So Were you actually working in a spa and also able to write for some big, big websites and publications? So you got to combine both educations into your love of beauty.
1: Yeah. So I... It's been rare. I think probably for maybe the first three years, I worked exclusively like in a spa setting, full time in the treatment room. But I just felt like, for me personally, it did not feel like it was going to be a sustainable option for my lifetime. I I had this um, degree in writing. It was something that I was really passionate about, and kind of as I was emerging in the industry, so was, um, you know social media and the need for content and that kind of thing. So it just kind of fell into place that I was helping brands um, doing photo shoots for skincare lines and writing, copywriting for websites, managing social media, that kind of thing. Um, so ever since that time, I've kind of always been doing something else. So I typically will work like two to three days in the treatment room with clients. And then the rest of the time I'm doing the behind the scenes, like the newsletter, the blogs, the Instagram posts and that sort of thing.
0: Well, the industry needs more people like you. I know when I was reading your bio, you said that you've had stuff featured in Buzzfeed. And to me, that's a big deal because so many people are trying to get their words in, in that type of digital platform to share. How did you end up getting in the in with BuzzFeed, because that's a big deal to have something, you know, beauty related on that website.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think one of the biggest takeaways that I have learned just from working with other really smart entrepreneurs is that you behind every big publication and even big business, it's a person, you know, and so having some sort of personal relationship, being able to find um someone who writes freelance for BuzzFeed or writes freelance for Allure or Elle or Vogue many times you can find these people's Instagram handle or you can find their email address and you just send them a message you know not in a way that's like hey I want to gain exposure through you but just like hey I saw your story about whatever it was like you know these new lash extensions I think that's amazing and I just tried them myself and just you know kind of like girl talk And I think people really appreciate that connection. And that's really what has opened a lot of doors for me is just like putting yourself out there, but also keeping it real. I agree. I've
0: made some great beauty industry friends just from connecting with them through a direct message on Instagram. And we do forget that these journalists and these writers for these publications, are they even called publications anymore when it's a website? I mean, what is the proper name for that? I don't know.
1: Maybe outlet, outlet.
0: Or- okay, mm-hmm. so these outlets—they are humans behind the brand, and also huge. Something to you know think about and to chew on is they need content, right? They're looking for people like you. So, yes. I I talk to estheticians all the time, and they're like, "Yeah, well, I don't know. I'd love to be on the news." I go, "Then pitch something to the assignment desk because they need yep. content."
1: They do absolutely, and finding something that's really interesting, you know, so if you launch a new treatment, or you have a skincare line that's made by a local artisan, like coming up with an angle for them, you know, you're doing a little bit of the research legwork that gives them a story. Um, So creating kind of like that little bit of sometimes they'll call it clickbait, or something that is really interesting that viewers and readers need to know about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, more than ever, I, tr- I see estheticians all the time being featured on the news. And again, it's something that's very different. I don't think people used to highlight us like that in the past, but now they're looking for people like us to bring, like you said, clickbait, interesting things. And how easy is it to get a news anchor or a journalist in to try a beauty treatment, right? They're, they're, they're game they're in for it.
1: Exactly. And sometimes you don't see the the fruit of that immediately, you know, but even putting it out there, like, hey, I'm not sure if you have any stories that would align with this coming up in the next few months. You know, it might not be that you get uh, published that week or that month, but just offering it, putting it out there, saying for the, in the event that eventually you have a story this aligns with, we would love to be kept in mind. Um, and I had that happen recently. I reached out through Instagram to a freelance writer for Harper's Bazaar. And she messaged me back and she said, sure, send a book. I don't have any clean beauty stories, just full disclosure, but I'll keep it on file. So I'm just hoping that something comes eventually. I love that. Um, And, and I think you
0: do it with such grace that we can all learn from you. So thank you for sharing that. I want to talk about your book. I want to, then I want to, I want to talk about you being a mom in business. So let's chat a minute about this book. And when did you realize you wanted to be a holistic practitioner? I love in the book that you talk about you and your husband found a way to grow vegetables and to become involved almost in a farm life while living in New York City. <laughs> is yeah. that what inspired the book?
1: It, well, that was definitely the start of it. I It's interesting. like That's part of what I love about New York City is that you really can find a community around just about anything that you're interested in. Um and so I was working for kind of a more traditional, conventional in you know, a spa setting where it was um, you know, definitely no kind of mind-body connection. And I just really felt like, you know, I got out of school, I'd been working for a few years and I felt like, you know, I have this passion, but this does not feel aligned. And I think all of us can, you know, relate to that at some point in our lives where we're doing something, we feel like maybe we're on the right track, but it's just not quite there. And so I just had kind of like a wake up call. I got on the subway one day to go home and just absolutely broke down into tears, sobbing, sitting there, you know, on a public transit. And um, New Yorkers are pretty callous to that kind of thing. No one really paid too much attention. But I just realized that I had to change my path. That was not where I wanted to be. And I'd been interested in this work exchange program. It's called WOOF, and it's an acronym for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. And my dream was to eventually go to Italy to work on a vineyard and volunteer there. But I was like, you know what? Let me try it locally. So I ended up at a place that was uh, in the Catskill Mountains. I was placed with a family. They're Hungarian-American vegetable farmers. And so I'd lived with them for a month. And for me, it just, it was pivotal, eye-opening. It made me appreciate uh, my food and how things are grown and the work and the science and the beauty that goes into it. And um, I was like, you know what, this is what I want to do. I want to fuse this love and reverence for plants and for the earth with
0: beauty. Did your husband go with you to this farm or he was just okay saying, Jess, you got to go follow your passion? Were you supported that way?
1: Yes. Yeah. And my dog Quigley, she came along with me. So he would actually, he visited on the weekends and we would do a farmer's market. So he would sometimes come to the farmer's market and just kind of hang out and be there as we were selling vegetables. Um, But I actually lived there. They had an RV that was parked just outside of the main house. So I lived in the RV with Quigley, and I would go inside and have meals with them and that kind of thing. But yeah, he was very supportive of it.
0: Being from Vermont, I can almost visualize every single thing you're saying, because we grew up you know, going to get our vegetables out of my aunt's garden, and our water came from our own well, and we burned our wood stove in the winter. And I, it was just a way of life for me. And then mm-hmm. I moved to California and I'm like, well, this is the polar opposite of everything I've ever known. Yes. So I love seeing, it's almost like I tell people I was green before it was the trendy thing to do. Or it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way you were raised in, in the country. So I, I, this book, I love, 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 because I do feel like, you know, we just said the world is kind of shifting this way. I loved when you said conventional skincare versus plant-based is just a subtle shift in philosophy. So I love that you're sharing this through your book. So what is the name of your book? And tell me your why behind it.
1: So the name of the book is Plant-Based Beauty. And it's the essential guide to detoxing your beauty routine. And the why behind it was... Basically, just after working in the treatment room, being one-on-one with clients for so many years, what I continued to hear, a recurring theme kind of across the board, was that people wanted to use cleaner products. They just simply did not know how. And there is so much clutter. There's so much greenwashing. It's very much an unregulated kind of wild west um, when it comes to what companies can claim, but their ingredient decks don't line up. So people usually kind of fell into two camps. They either were excessive skincare hoarders, like total product junkies, constantly changing their routine, trying everything, or they were just overwhelmed and they felt really busy and they didn't have time to really, um, you know, look through everything and do the research. So they ended up using like a bar soap or whatever set of samples, their dermatologist had sent home and that kind of thing. Um, so ultimately, what I wanted to convey were simple, actionable things that people could do and quality over quantity.
0: I think the book is a great fit for anyone who wants to live this type of lifestyle. As an esthetician, I read over the book this weekend. I didn't have time to read the whole thing because we just kind of connected. But I thought, oh my gosh, this helps me organize my thoughts so I am better prepared to share them with my clients. And I want to start carrying this book in my spa so I can hand it to a client and say, here, this makes it really easy for you, for me to help you.
1: Um, Yes. I think that's great. I think it's so important, especially like within a retail setting, you know, in a a, spa world, because we're just competing so much. Now our clients have direct access to so many different um, brands that are in front of them via really sophisticated social media campaigns. So being able to really believe in a product, I tell them why it's different, why it's leaps and bounds better than what they can find at you know a drugstore or um, a cosmetic counter. I think that's really important.
0: And I know you mentioned your friend's teeth being stained by the turmeric latte, that seriously was one of the first things that jumped off the page at me when I started reading the book. I can't wait to try one of those. And have you seen like a direct relation with turmeric helping people
1: with problematic skin? I definitely think that it is an anti-inflammatory. It for sure is. It's been studied and shown that um, it was first really used like for inflammation kind of systemically in the body. It's great for joint health. I think people who have any sort of like rosacea or acne, after all, that's an inflammatory condition, it can be really helpful to take it internally. Um, and also, you know, doing spot treatments, definitely in a mask form, it can be very staining. So diluting it like with a um, a yogurt or something like that is helpful. So your book is, it has so many
0: good compartments inside it. You give tips on how to eat. You give tips on how to care for your skin. You give tips on how to detox your beauty bag. You give recipes for facial moisturizers, which I want to try the, the jojoba oil. And, um, oh my goodness, you gave like two or three really good recipes to make. And I think again, it's the way the beauty industry is shifting. We're each are either teaching our clients how to do this at home, Or we are making our own concoctions right inside the spa to really customize a treatment in a holistic way.
1: Yes. I love that you said customizing, too, because that's something that I wanted to mention. I feel like that's kind of the way the industry is going. You know, people don't want cookie-cutter facials. They don't want cookie-cutter products. They want something that feels unique to them. Um, And these, I think the big beauty brands that have been sort of like the giants within the industry are kind of feeling... Um, they're, they're trembling in their boots a little bit by some of these more independent, clean, innovative plant-based skincare lines that are cropping up. Um, Because as more people look at labels and become aware, they're like, what, what is this ingredient? I'm putting it on my skin. Where does it come from? Um, And in the same way that we're kind of interested in our food more and more, I think people are just very aware that they want better products.
0: Now I have a question for you and I didn't, we didn't talk about this before. So you may need a second to think about it, or maybe we can come back to it, but being a holistic esthetician, and then you mentioned chemical peels, what do you use for peels? Because I've never used them in my practice. I am an enzyme girl. So if you're holistic, how do you incorporate chemical peels into your practice?
1: Yeah. So I'm mostly an enzyme girl as well. Um, every now and then I will do something like a lactic acid, which I'm a big fan of. I
0: like that one too. Um,
1: yeah, it's got a bigger molecule size, so it's not penetrating as deeply. I think it's good for all skin types, um, even kind of sensitive skin. But I am definitely very, I err on the side of caution when it comes to, to peels. Um, so usually enzymes are my go-to as well.
0: Yeah. I tell all my clients and I'm in a medical spa. That's where I rent now that I sold my spa in Los Angeles. And people are like, can I get a chemical peel from you? I said, really my philosophy in skincare is more about nourishing the skin and not putting a harsh chemical on it because I live in an area where it's 110 almost every day and super dry here and you know most of my clients are tennis and golf players so i in in people are programmed and conditioned and educated in getting chemical peels so people like you are helping people like me create a shift and and make people understand sometimes it's what you give your skin not what you take away from it
1: yes yes i it's so true and i think it takes a an esthetician who's really um, confident and strong to be able to say no to a client when they come in asking for a specific treatment like that. You want to keep your clients, you want to keep them happy. So sometimes it's hard to say no for your skin health. We're not going to do this chemical peel that you're requesting um, because I think now there's so much more understanding too about the microbiome of the skin and how you know our barrier function plays a role in our overall skin health. So really building it up rather than constantly taking away, taking away and overstripping the skin.
0: So if somebody wants to get their hands
1: on your book, can you give them a URL, a
0: website, how they can find it?
1: Yeah, so I have it linked in my bio on Instagram right now. You can find it on Amazon just by Googling or um, by searching the name and my name, Jess Arnottin. It's also on Target. It's on Barnes & Noble and hoping keeping fingers crossed and holding space for like Anthropology, Urban Outfitters and some other some other stores like that.
0: Awesome. Oh, I will hold that space with you. I love seeing other women succeed. So I feel really proud for you and excited for you. And however, I can help you let me know.
1: Thank you. Mm
0: -hmm. Something that you said in the book that I think really for me kind of was all encompassing of, of what this book means is really understanding and learning about the wisdom of mother nature. And, and she really can help us heal and, and helps us in ways that I think we've overlooked for quite some time. And we're finding our way back to that. So it's a great read for anyone out there that those words speak to you, the wisdom of mother nature, because we can all learn from that.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I, Something that I wanted to be a theme throughout the book was kind of like sustainability and turning your routine into a ritual. For me, just as a mom and just having very little time for self-care, my skincare is like the thing that I look forward to at the end of each day. And I draw strength from it. And I think if you do not absolutely look forward to your skincare in the morning and at night, you're probably not using the right products.
0: Well, it's so funny, because I did see on your Instagram page that you moved into your house that you were remodeling back in, I assume. And the first thing you unpacked was your skincare ritual.
1: Oh, yes. yes, that comes everywhere that that goes before anything else. And I I had it with me at the hospital. And I think it's just a really simple but very impactful way to say, hey, I'm making 10 minutes for myself. I'm closing this bathroom door. I'm going to heat up a warm, soft towel. I'm going to do a compress over an oil cleanser and just kind of have that spa moment, even if you can't, you know, get into the treatment room that day.
0: I'm glad you mentioned time because this is something that I know my listeners struggle with. And I think it's really on the show today, how you could help so many beauty entrepreneurs and practitioners. How the heck... Do you find time for a professional life now that you have two little ones? Because how old are your children? I mean, we're talking babies.
1: Yeah. So um, Anna is almost three and Julia is four months old.
0: Seriously, just how did you find time to write a book and be a mom? And I I know I want to talk in a second a little bit about your mama mornings that you, you do at a local spa, I think, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually on maternity leave at the moment, but when I go back, that's definitely something that I'll continue to offer.
0: Okay. So first, how did you find time to be a mom and write a book?
1: <laughs> so I think it helps that I am really passionate about what I do and just educating people just kind of comes naturally. It's sort of just poured out. I don't want to sound cliche, but, um, I was not able to write at home. I tried to sit down and do it even after the kids were asleep and that kind of thing. So I actually went to hotels and had these little staycations, 24-hour power writing sessions where I would basically be like an all-nighter that I would just like no TV, no phone, close the curtains, and I would lock myself into the hotel room and just free write and pour it all out. And then the process for me was... Then, you know, once I was back home in those next weeks, once everyone was settled down and in bed, I would be able to kind of edit and refine and move things around. So you were
0: lucky enough to find your way into, or smart enough, probably both, to find your way into the publishing world. Do you have one or two tips for somebody? Because I know there are so many estheticians that want to write a book. Like, where do you start? Maybe just give them the first two steps. If they want to write a book, what should they do?
1: So I think coming up with um, your, the actual chapter guide so that a publisher could see exactly like what to expect. I think having that within your pitch would be really important. And just making a dream list of like, here are the top 10 publishing houses. And a lot of times they'll have little offshoots, like Um, imprints within a certain like sort of bigger umbrella publisher. So kind of doing your research on the front end and figuring out where your topic would align and kind of what imprint would be good. So for example, my book was published by Aster A S T E R, but the actual bigger publication is octopus books. So doing a little research in that way, and then coming up with exactly kind of bullet points, what they can expect to see who you think it would speak to, why it's important for this time, and in the marketplace specifically, I think are all part of a really good pitch.
0: What was the most stressful part of launching and creating this book for you?
1: I think the most stressful part was just my own inner critic. I think for a long time, I kind of felt like the other shoe was going to drop or that something was going to go wrong, and it wasn't going to come out. I was afraid to even talk about it or to speak it. Like it was going to be like a mirage that once I talked about it too much, it was going to disappear. Um, so I think that's just some internal work that I have to do to be able to celebrate success and, um, not feel, I think all of us feel sometimes like we are imposters or someone else could probably do it better than us or, you know, just being able to stand in my strengths and on my experiences and, um, celebrate
0: I think the book is, I haven't actually touched it yet. I have the PDF format, but one of the first things that, the first two things, I'm like, this is beautiful. The pictures are so pretty and it, it really speaks to the Vermont girl, the way you you set up the book. And it's so organized. It's, it flows. It's easy to pull the tips out. The recipes look perfect. I just thought you did a great job. So I want to compliment you there. It, if that helps quiet your inner critic at all. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Yeah. Now that I can hold it in my hands, which your copy is on the way, it Thank should be there you. probably. I'm any- excited. Now that I can like physically hold the tangible expression of it in my hands, it feels just amazing. And it's like, it's really good. Thank you.
0: So I want to, again, let's move into it. I do also think like there's this huge shift happening for estheticians right now. We are owning our space. Like I've never seen before. And I was even talking to somebody at an infomercial, company, a big, huge, you know, global infomercial company. And, and he said, we used to look for actresses to play these parts. Now we're actually looking for real people to come in and share their expertise and knowledge. And that made me feel very proud of all of us. But I, I see that happening. Like we're being taken more seriously as professionals. I also see the estheticians that are doing really, really well. They're, they're niching out, they're niching out into something mhm and I think that's kind of what your morning, your your mama mornings are. Will you tell me a little bit about what that looks like? Cause that's your target market, probably moms that just need a little bit of love and how you incorporate mindfulness into these facials. Like what is this all about? I, I can't wait to hear about it.
1: Yeah, so mama mornings was kind of a concept that came to me after having my own baby and experiencing the overwhelmingly radical shift that happens in your identity. You know, you've heard it said that a baby is born, but also a mother is born, you know, it's, you're in this new realm. And um, I look back now and realize that I was going through a pretty serious bout of what I would think is postpartum anxiety, just feeling totally depleted, not getting any sleep. And um, other than, you know, the library, the park, or a kid's music class and that kind of thing, there were not very many welcoming places for a mom and baby. And I felt very self-conscious, you know, bringing in this big clunky stroller into a business or, you know, feeling like she might cry or make a sound and not feeling like I could control the situation. Um, And definitely, you know, it's frowned on, obviously, to bring a baby into like a hair salon or a spa or an acupuncture clinic or any of these places where you could potentially find rejuvenation. Um, So Mama Mornings is, we come in, um, is something that we started where we'll open up before official spa hours. And we've created these 30-minute treatments to create space for new moms to come in and have a facial done with the baby. So if the baby cries or if they need to nurse the baby, it's a really safe, inviting, welcoming space for that.
0: Oh, wow. So has it taken off? Like I imagine, I I love when... When beauty entrepreneurs make themselves remarkable, like worthy of a remark, because I think that's one of the fastest ways to grow a beauty practice has word gotten out that you do this and are you pretty booked solid?
1: So it's, it was a little hit or miss. I'm on maternity leave at the moment. We'll reoffer it again once I'm back. Um, but it it was kind of hit or miss. Like there would be some months that we had mama morning, like consistently booked. And then some that weren't so much. Um, I think there's still a little bit of just like a cultural shift of like, are you sure it's okay to come into a spa with my baby? You know, so just like a lot of education and making sure that they understood kind of the space and the environment. But it's been really neat too, because we're kind of extending the, the spa hours, making more use of the treatment room and opening doors to a clientele that normally is kind of prohibitive for them to come in. Um, I know as a mom, myself, like going in for self-care and also paying for child care is a lot of times not a reality. So creating a space where they can come in, it's good for your business too.
0: Have you pitched this to the local news? Because I think they would be all over this kind of story when you're ready to be busy again.
1: I should. I should. I I just, having my own kids, Like I have such a heart for postpartum care now and I just remember wanting so much to have like something done that would make me look less exhausted, but not feeling like I had access to any place like that. So I think we kind of need to do a better job of just supporting new moms, supporting their healing, the hormonal shifts. Like at four months right now, my hair is falling out like crazy. And um, just all the things that a mom goes through, I think it's really important what we do to be able to offer that to them.
0: You know, you've brought a new awareness to my mind. That's part of the reason I love doing this show so much is because when you know better, you do better. And I'm thinking back now to when I was a flight attendant in my early 20s. And people would other passengers, other flight attendants would see these moms getting on with the strollers and the and everyone would roll their eyes like, "Oh, crap, I don't want that baby." And I never thought about the pressure that this puts on a mother until you just started talking about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's not only moms. I mean, you can think about other other kind of subsets of people, um, like people who have maybe sensory overwhelm or people who are autistic or they don't want to go into an environment where there's going to be a lot of music on. So like creating different pockets for people who normally would not potentially use your space, I think it's a really powerful thing for a business and also th- just for our culture and our society. One of the
0: hardest clients that I had to tell I was leaving my Los Angeles spa when I moved about a year ago was I had a 28 year old autistic boy and his mom, I think, you know, his skin was problematic because he was on meds and stuff. And it it was a way for her just to sit and relax while I gave him a facial Mm -hmm. and we had to do certain things to get the environment, um, prepped. So he felt comfortable. And so he could relax and it was crazy. His skin healed faster than most people's skin and i do think it's because it allowed him like this hour of of feeling safe and and just a different experience for him and the mom so you're right we have this beautiful gift that we can give people but oh my gosh i had such a hard time telling them that i was leaving cuz they had looked for estheticians for years <laughs> yeah and finally like i created this space for him so you're right there's there's a plethora of clients out there and if we can pay attention to how they react to life that's an, another amazing gift we can give people and, and a great way to grow a business.
1: Yes. And like you said, a great pitch for news channels as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, all of the above. Hey, that's my mission for 2020. It's all about creating beauty and success. That's what I'm, I'm striving to help people with in the beauty industry. So that is my mission, create beauty and success. And it's okay to do both.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think a lot of times people who go into the healing arts, you know, massage therapists, acupuncturists, estheticians, we, we have this gift, but we don't know how to really own it, like you said, or to charge for it or to feel, you know, because we're giving so much and it it is a heart and soul connection. It feels icky sometimes like when money gets involved. So I love that beauty and success together. I think we need to stand in that power more. We deserve
0: it. You know, I read an article yesterday and I'm not ready to share this hundred percent with the general public. I have this group of, of like very successful estheticians. It's called the expansion group in my beauty biz club. And we have weekly check-ins where we talk about hot topics and trends. And, and it really holds us accountable to our professional life. And somebody shared an article in there yesterday with about how we are wealth workers. We're just here to take care of the wealthy. And I thought, gosh, if that's the case, then why is there this big gap where the the beauty industry is making and generating? I think the last time I saw a statistic was $445 billion, but the average practitioner makes $32,000 a year. There needs to be a change. And we need to claim this, this space that we do create beauty and we need to create success in our lives as well.
1: Wow. That's such a disparagement between a multi-billion dollar industry and then that average. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So I
0: know that we said, when we talked about doing the show, we'd wrap it up today with you sharing some of your success tips for beauty entrepreneurs. So is there anything you want to inspire the audience with?
1: Yeah, so I have, I was thinking on it. And I was trying to kind of like get really clear on on what I wanted to share. Um, And I have sort of like a macro big picture overarching tip, and then also kind of like a day to day tip. So the overarching is to get into the habit of asking yourself, wouldn't it be amazing if? Like finishing that sentence. Um, and it's something I actually learned when I used to work with Angela Gia Kim. She's the founder of Savor Beauty and has always stuck with me. Um, it's something that I do within my family. My husband and I ask that, you know, at the dinner table, wouldn't it be amazing if? And just letting yourself. Dream in that way is something that I don't think that we do enough. We get so caught up in the day to day kind of mundane, um, and I think it can be a really motivating, powerful tool within your business too. You know, asking your staff at your next meeting, "You guys, finish this sentence. Wouldn't it be amazing if?"
0: And can I let, hit, can I hit yeah. the pause button for one second?
1: Okay,
0: I'm going to ask you to finish a sentence right now surrounding your book. Wouldn't it be amazing if?
1: Oh my god. <laughs> Okay. Wouldn't it be amazing if I sold 10,000 copies in the first year?
0: When you do, call me. We're going to celebrate like a, a, a cocktail over, an estetini over Skype. How's that?
1: I'm there. I'm there. Awesome. You know, um, there's a story of, why am I blanking on the name? There's a, a big time actor who did that where he wrote a check to himself for like a million dollars. Jim Carrey. Yes. He was sleeping in a car (laughs) and wrote himself that check. And then, you know, he basically manifested it.
0: Yeah. I have to, I I used to be the world's most powerful manifester and I've gotten too busy to be mindful around manifesting. So that is one of my short-term goals right now is to really start putting out there what I want to welcome in. So I'm going to use your, your, wouldn't it be amazing if, so thank you for that. And then.
1: Okay. And then my day-to-day micro Yes. It's kind of ironic that I would share this because I do social media for a living, but my day-to-day tip is to cut your screen time. It is something that I hear like so much from clients, from friends that I see in my own life, that our phones are just so addictive that we want to step away from them. We want to be more present with our family, but we just feel so tethered to our devices. And, um, Social media is a powerful tool for your business, but I think it is a double-edged sword, and I think it's a source of a lot of comparison and a lot of anxiety in our lives, and to me, it's the biggest vampire of your time and your energy, so being able to stop and say, hey, I'm doing a digital detox this weekend. I'm not even going to look at my phone. I'm putting it in a drawer. I'm turning it off, and a lot of times, people will not even notice that you've taken the weekend for mental health.
0: You know, it's funny that you bring this up because that is a powerful success tool. And I've recently just implemented this into my life. I did a show and, and by the time your show is aired, it will have been, I think like a week or two prior called the end of the summer hangover cure. And one of the things I had to do, like I never take time off. I am a hustler. I love my business. I never stop. But this summer. I gave myself a little bit of a break and I had a hard time getting back into the swing of things. So I just started meditating on what can I do to reconnect to my beauty business. And one of the things that came to me was I had to stop scrolling through Instagram because I was spending so much time on there watching what everyone else was doing that it made me hyper-focused on what I wasn't doing and made me feel bad. So I can't do it anymore. It's like, I'll go on, I'll post my thing, I'll interact with my followers and then boom, I got to be done.
1: Mm -hmm. We do. And and I think setting limits on your phone, you can set things in your settings that it will give you an alert when you've been on for 15 minutes. And, you know, the way that Instagram is set up, it's it's an endless scroll, you could really be on there just forever and never really get that satisfaction of like, hey, I've seen it all. Whereas if you pick up a magazine or a book, you can flip through it and then put it down, get inspiration and then take a step away from it. But Instagram, um, specifically, is kind of designed very strategically for you to get sucked into the vortex.
0: And here's the thing. I don't know if anyone's coined this term or not. If they have, uh, um, here's credit to you. If I'm just really helping somebody recognize something right now, that's my mission. We have social media hangovers. Sometimes you put your phone down and you feel awful.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think during that time, too, when you go sometimes like I will just it's muscle memory. I will just reach for my phone, I open my email, I open an app, I open like you know some other apps that I'm on, and it's like before I know it, I've spent twenty minutes and i have i it's it gives the illusion of being productive, but you're not actually creating any forward motion in your business. So taking that intentional time, turning it off, and even doing something that may not be immediately linked to your business, like um, doing something creative, go out and take a walk or paint or do a pottery class or go salsa dancing or these things that we feel like, especially as busy entrepreneurs that we don't have time for. When you actually do that, it opens up this kind of different part of your brain that will unlock so many other ideas for your business. Absolutely. It's like just disconnecting.
0: And and that's when my creative juices start to flow when I'm doing things you like you said and like you mentioned that aren't directly associated to your business or to immediate success or welcoming in, you know, success.
1: Yeah. And you can schedule things in a content calendar too. So if you're worried about, you know, wanting to have a presence or wanting to post things there are so many opportunities now where you can automate your posts. So your business will still have a voice even while you're away. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, well, I can you tell everybody once again how to find your book just in case somebody didn't have time to write it down the first time or they were driving or whatever? Because you guys, you got to get your hands on this and and you want to show this to your clients. For those of you who have a holistic approach to beauty or want to. Start to shift into a more holistic approach. Jess has really outlined it in such a beautiful way for us.
1: Thank you so much, Lori. Yeah, it's plant based beauty, the essential guide to detoxing your beauty routine. You can find me on Instagram. I would love it if you were able to maybe even put in my email into the show notes. Um, I welcome people just to email me, get conversations going. I would love to be a resource. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jess. I loved having you here today. Thank you, Lori.
0: Thanks for tuning into the Beauty Biz Show. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to build the beauty biz of your dreams. If you'd like to know more about how you can become a member of the Beauty Biz Club, the only professional success-based society designed to fuel your success by providing you with the ongoing resources that are needed to excel in the beauty industry, please visit beautybizclub.com. Again, that's beautybizclub.com club.com. Also, if you'd like a copy of my free report, top 10 secrets of successful beauty biz practitioners, please visit lorikrete.com.